Hello there. It's Tim again from Arkham's Kids, and there has been a break. Honestly, because there hasn't been any new stuff. I mean, I could be playing the couple of campaigns that I am running, but uh, I like showing off the new stuff too as well. And on top of that too, a weird thing about it is, is uh, FFG, which is owned by Asmodee, um, kind of decided that they're going to be exclusive and start pulling out uh, major distributors. This is kind of boring stuff for those that don't own a shop or anything like that, but for major gaming distributors, you have uh, Alliance, ACD. There's a couple other ones, but uh, uh, Asmodee kind of was going to do it on their own. So it kind of held up uh, going at my local game shop to, to pick the stuff up. So finally, I have it. I actually have two items to review. It's Dexter Drake, because I got the novel for... Uh, was it The Blood of Shalandor, or... Something like that. I forget the long name. But uh, I haven't read it yet, but I do have the cards. Also, I also got the Weaver of the Cosmos. So I'll be reviewing the player cards. I haven't really looked at them, except for the couple of spoilers. It was out months ago before COVID dropped. Um, but uh, I'll review these cards, and, and we'll go from there. So I kind of held out and waited to the very end. So without further ado i am going to read dexter drake i have seen it i never really seen too much on the back but dexter drake he is a mystic uh six health eight sanity he's got a stat line of uh five willpower two intelligence three strength and agility is two he's a sorcerer he's a veteran a veteran of what i don't know being sorcerer supreme i don't know but he has an ability. Uh, during your turn, discard an asset you control, play an asset with a different title from your hand, reducing its cost by one. So, yes, spell, hungry, you know, mystic decks. I see the value in this, guy. So your chances are you're probably just going to shoot all your shriveling, and you're just going to have a blank spot. Why not take that, that empty uh, spell and then put something else out with the cost less than one? The only thing is, though, you can't put, like, another shriveling out. It has to be a completely titled card. So, and it's only once per round, too. But it doesn't matter. I think, I don't see how it would happen too many times. But I, I can see him, I can see playing this ability quite a bit. Because chances are, you know, if you, you go through all of your mists of relay or, the you know, the sixth sense, or if you need to switch something out for something a little bit better, uh... Yeah, I could definitely see the value of it. it. It definitely fits his theme, though, because he is a magician. So I kind of dig it. I like it. I'm not very huge on the Mystic front. I mean, I have played like Diane Stanley, but she doesn't really feel like a 100% Mystic to me. Um, but, I mean, this one I think is just going to be pure. It's going to be like, uh, oh, what's her name? Okiki or Atachi. Atachi? Yes. It's the one where it's um, you get an additional charge from playing spells. Uh, here's Elder Sign is plus two, and you may return an asset from your play area to your hand, and then you get to draw a card. So there's another way around it. So instead of just discarding the asset, if you have a dead card out there, you can pull it back and play it again if you really want to. And then you get to draw a card for it, and it's a plus two. Now, there's not a whole got a lot of plus two, so I, I kind of dig the, the other sign being plus two. And his little uh, flavor text is like, do you want to see true magic? Well, with what he can do, yes, 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 he can. So his deck size is 30. 
Uh, he has all the Mystic cards open from zero to five. Uh, he splashes with Rogue, uh, which kind of makes sense, you know, with the whole, uh, you know, being a magician thing. That does make sense. But it's only from zero to two, and then all the neutral cards are opened up from zero to five. Deck building requirements uh, that are not included with this one, considering we got the alternates. Um, showmanship and Occult Scraps. And then you also get one random basic weakness. So for Dexter, his uh, unique asset is Molly Maxwell, the exotic Morgana. It's a three-cost asset. It is an ally. Uh, she's got a crazy skill stat line of uh, willpower, uh, agility, and a wild pip. It's an ally. It's an assistant. Dexter Drake attack only, and it is the replacement card. And as a react... Uh, you can exhaust Molly and dealer one horde. Name any trait. One at a time, reveal cards from the top of your deck until an asset with the name trait is revealed. Draw that asset. And shuffle each other revealed card back in your deck. So, note it's not just spell, so it can be anything. So you can, you know, say elicit, you know, because Rogue has that kind of crazy stuff. So you can pull that out too as well. Um, her stat line is 2 health and 4 sanity. So you can use her ability quite often. Uh, definitely fits the whole assistant style. It's like, yes, you know, I'm going to help you out, Dexter, and uh, uh, get you something that you really need at the time. So uh, it's a good cost ally, you know, for a 2-4 for 3. But as with any cool park, there's got to be a drawback, and there is one. It's a treachery weakness. It's a curse. It's a pack. I'm going to butcher this. Yes, Taroth. I'm going to call with that. Yes, Roth. It looks like the thing that you watch from Hellraiser that comes out of the box. It's just a myriad of faces, eyeballs, monsters. There's a bunch of craziness going on in this artwork. All right, so Dexter Drake's deck only, and it's the replacement, Revelation. You have to put them into play in your threat area. You cannot put assets into play. And then for two cost, uh, two action costs, you can discard it. It's not... The end of the world, I mean, this is not a horrible weakness, but if you were playing like the, uh, what's the ones where you're holding your hand in Carcosa, that they, they, they could have that problem. Or, um, you know, there is a few weaknesses, not weaknesses per se, but there are treachery cards out there that are just hose you and you can't play assets at all. Um, I think there's one in Dunwich for sure I know that does that, and definitely one that's hidden from your hand. Um, it's one of those peril cards in Carcosa, if memory serves you right. I mean, it's not a terrible weakness at all. I mean, this is definitely doable. You're just, you know, taking two-thirds of your turn just to get rid of it. There's no other, you know, bad side effect to it. Uh, so if I was going to build Dexter, uh, it would, yes, obviously, definitely spell heavy. Um, but for some of the, for some of the stuff that he has that goes with it, I can't even say lockpick. So I'm going to take a look at my binders here and see. What would I actually do with Dexter? Oh, man. Let's take a look. Uh, well, you could play Leo, sure, because it's a zero cost. That'd be funny with pickpocketing. Um, if you're playing solo, Lone Wolf will go great. Definitely, uh, build some cash out of that. For sure. Uh, I would love to say Sleight of Hand, because that sounds like something 
Dexter would do, though. But it's an item asset. You have to play from your hand at the end of your turn. If that asset's still in your play, return it. So, something quick to pull out and then pop back into your hand. Like a one-time deal. I mean, I mean, you could look at the weapons here. Uh, like the Luprara. I'm probably butchering that. Or heck, even the Switchblade will help out too if you're in a pinch. See, so yeah, I would like to like hold out towards lockpicks. But it's agility, and it's agilities too. So that wouldn't work as well. And honestly, he has spells that can actually help. You know, six cents and whatnot that can actually help him get clues if you're running true solo. Uh, I'm like looking here, it's like, what would you honestly splash? I mean, see, it's zero to two, so ace of the hole is out of the question. But then I look at haste, and it's definitely something Dexter has because the picture's right on there. Yeah. Or maybe three aces. Because that would be easy to do. Because I've seen a lot of Dexmen rocking out with the three aces. Huh. That's definitely interesting. I, I wouldn't expect to have a Mystic, you know, splash with uh, with some Rogue cards. But nonetheless, it's actually pretty cool. I kind of, I kind of like dig Dexter. I might actually build him. But, uh. Yeah, so that's it for Dexter. So we're going to go right into the player cards for Weavers of... Weaver of Chaos? Weaver of Chaos. All right, good handful of cards here. I'm just going to go right to the top. Uh, it's a Guardian. So there's only one Guardian card. And this is a Myriad. It's a Ritual. It's a three-cost asset that costs five XPs to put in there. So, well, at least you get two more additional copies for the cost of five. Called Spiritual Resolve. You can pitch it for giving you a plus one willpower. Uh, again, it's Mary after you get three of these. Takes a spell slot. Uh, three fighting. Three uh, whore, so it can soak up. And then as a react, you can discard a copy of Spiritual Resolve from your hand. And if you do, you can heal all damage and whore from the card. So, almost feels like, you know, like True Grit or something like that. But you can heal the assets off. Might be cool with Tommy Muldoon with his craziness that goes on with healing stuff. But is it justifiable for a 5 XP card? Because you are you are spending quite a bit to do this thing. And if you're playing Guardian, spells are not really going to be a concern for you. But, yeah. I would probably rock this out definitely with Tommy Muldoon for sure. Because that, that's his whole niche. And honestly, just to have more items that, that can soak up damage. And this is a two-fold front where it can heal, you know, damage and it can take horror. So for three and three, that's pretty cool. But uh, this automatically screams me, Tommy. The, I would rock this card with Tommy for sure. But that's it for Guardians. So I, I dig it. I like it. That's a good one. We're going into uh, the Seekers. There are two of them. First one is another ally, and this is Abigail Foreman. She's a library intern. Uh, to put her in deck, you got to spend four XPs. She's a three-cost asset. If you want to pitch her for skills, it gives you one intellect and one agility. She's ally. She's got the Miskatonic trait. Uh, her stat line is one health and two horror. Um, as a react, you can attach a tome asset in your play area to Abigail Foreman, or switch a tome asset in your play area with an attached asset. 
The asset attached to her takes up no hand slots. Limit one asset. So she literally is a book holder. And then you can just toggle out and switch. Also, after you resolve an action ability with the attached tome assets, exhaust her and resolve its effect again. So if you got any crazy tomes that's got an action ability, you can do it again at the same cost of just one asset. So one action, do it twice. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. No, but she's just restrained the tome, so you're honestly you're you're immediately thinking, yeah, Daisy, Daisy for sure. That's what I would think. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, uh, if you're playing, if you're rocking the books, uh, I would definitely play this with Daisy for sure. But she's a four cost. But again, um, yeah, she's just your big old book holder that you can do the ability twice on. So I'll have to actually go around and dig and see what tomes are actually justifiable to actually use that secondary ability. Next one, I think this one was spoiled. The Eye of Truth. It's a 5 XP skill card. And it's worth 4 wild pips. It's got this crazy greenish Illuminati kind of vibe going on on here. It's a spell. It's practiced. If this skill test is on a treachery and the test is successful... Add that treachery to the victory display and attach the Eye of Truth to it. While attached, the Eye of Truth contributes its skill icons to all tests on copies of the attached treachery. I like this card because there are certain treachery cards that will just wreck you. And I know there was one that was just listening on Mythos Busters. It was the Bannon Alone bit where they're doing... Return to the Path of Carcosa and you get popped with a willpower uh, test of six... And I know there's like two or three of them in there. And yes, rightly so, to offset that, this will give you a plus four. So if you ever encounter it again, providing you actually pass it the first time, this card is awesome. Again, this card costs a lot. Five XPs, and you only get one. Oosh. Ugh. Mm. I would probably come in here. This almost feels like you're playing a one-off series. Like, um... I probably would play this if you're just playing a one-off. Not necessarily campaign mode, but just playing it once. Um, say, for instance, you're playing Excelsior Hotel or Blob to Eight Everything or Ruguru. One of those types you know, deals with just to play a one-off. I would think this would be worth it when you're building a deck. Um, just to see how it goes. Uh, but, man, 5 XP's. It's, it's a lot for what it does. Don't get me wrong. You get 4 Wild Pips. You can use for anything else. I mean, but it's just really the bonus for treacheries that, that you could get that residual bonus as well. So I have to take a take into consideration too. You're getting a double uh, unexpected courage on these cards. So it, it's a bonus on treachery cards. But if you need to make a skill test or something like that, these are awesome. Eh, so now now I'm actually talking more about this. I could see the cost. I I really could. Uh, because you got the four wild pips and you can play for anything. It, it's just better, you know, with your treachery. So, yeah, I can see it. It's it's a double unexpected courage for each card. It's nice when I'm talking this stuff out loud because uh, either shows you that I'm truly insane or uh, uh, I'm making sense around some I thought were tepid or lukewarm cards. So, yeah, okay, I'd play this. I would. I would. Yeah, okay. Ooh, Joey the Ratch Vigil. Vigil? Vigil. 
Looking out for number one. I know there's one in here, and no one plays with it because Mythos Busters always blast this guy. Let's dig him up. I want a comparison. I got my, my cards handy. Let's compare. Still the same thing. Uh, I thought this, you know, this little sub, you know, uh, title would be a little bit different, but nope. Still the same. Joey the Rat. So the original Joey the Rat is a four cost asset. It's a three two. It's the same thing for the upgraded Joey the Rat. It's a three two ally, but uh, drops the asset count, uh, the uh, the resource count from four to two. So two less. But it costs you three XP to put in there. Uh, skill set is still the same. You get one intellect and one agility. They're both still ally criminal. So for the old version of Joey, which everyone loves so much, is you get to spend one resource, choose an item asset from your hand, and play it, paying its cost. So you're paying one more for a card that it's not an action to do it. You can just play it. I mean, that's the that's the benefit of it. So. This card might be great for you if you're in a bind. Um, you know, if you're getting run amok for, you know, uh, enemies. And instead of taking that attack of opportunity, with Joey out there, you can actually play, you know, a shotgun, uh, Chicago typewriter, and you name it, as long as it's an item of some sort. Um, but yeah, eh, they still people frown on this one. So, what's for the new one? What's the difference? Uh, it's literally the same thing, but he has an additional reactability. You can discard an item asset from play and gain two resources. Oh, so he can give you some cash. So he might not really truly be playable. I mean, if you got like a, a, a empty gun or something like that and you need to replenish some resources, yep, you can get some bucks out of it. Is it justifiable to spend three XPs to put Joey in your deck? Hmm. I don't know. If you can burn through your item cards really, really quickie, quickly and then get your cost back on it, uh, I see there's value to it. I really do. Uh, Joey, I don't think as bad as like what, <laughs> what Mythos is, Busters has claimed it to be. I mean, you're not going to use his, his ability often, and that's why I think he gets overlooked. Because you're just using a real pinch. I mean, honestly, you're gonna you're gonna what throw in Dario Eldamine or heck, if you're upgrading cards, then you're gonna throw in the uh, the Explorer from what's that Forgotten Age? Oh, what's her name? I might have thrown that in there into another deck. Gotta find it. Which one am I talking about? I know her name. Oh, Lola Santiago. Yeah, so I would throw that in there because you get the stat lines of uh. One end of the lack and one agility. Hacking cap burglars even better. So, on the fence with that. I think it's a welcome upgrade for Joey. Joey need, needs it. So maybe this will give people some love? Eh, I don't know. Ooh, I love weapons. Weapons are good. So, last rogue card. Sawed off shotgun. Man, you better wow me. This is another 5x. Man, these are some high XP cost cards. Okay, shot off shotgun. Three to put out. Five XPs to put one of these bad boys in your deck. Uh, the, for a skill check, you get plus one strength and plus one agility. It's an item. It's a weapon. It's a firearm. It's illicit. It's a one-handed, which makes sense because it is truly a sawed-off shotgun. It's only got two ammo on it, though. As an action, spend an ammo. You fight, and instead of its standard damage, this attack deals one damage for each point you succeed by. 
to a minimum of one to a maximum of six. If you fail and would damage another investigator, this attack would deal one damage for each point you fail by from a minimum one to a maximum of six. Uh, for rogues, definitely this fits in this wheelhouse for sure. I don't know why it's illicit, though. So, so you, you, you saw off the stock of a shotgun, and now it's a sawed-off shotgun. Why is it illicit? I, I don't get it. Um, all right, so short on the ammo cut, but potentially if you really goose things up and you're playing rogue and, you know, you can, you can you know, uh, trick out and max out on your, your uh, pulling out uh, the maximum to get the six, it can't happen. I mean, man, you could just blow apart things with this, this guy. This guy is good. Man, I would call this the boomstick, man. This is an ash card from Evil Dead. Straight through. My only knock on it, man, it's only got two ammo, so you got to be careful on that. So if you're going to shoot, you better make sure it hits, and it hits on the money, and it hits big. Got to hit big. But, hey, Bootlugger can get this. Get Finn to take this card. Ah, it's cool, though. I like the flavor for it. All right, we're into Mystics. Mind's Eye. First one's a Myriad. And so there's three copies of it. It's a three-cost asset. And this is a double spell slot. So it doesn't happen often. As a matter of fact, it hasn't happened at all. Where it actually does count as two spells. So now I'm going to dig in through my binder here and take a look. I don't think there is. Definitely not for beginner cards. I don't think there's any zero level that would have that. Nope, nope, nope. No, 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 eh, you got one that has a spell and a hand slot, and that's the Enchanted Blade, which makes sense. Uh, Summon Hound is a ally and spell slot taken. That's it. No, this one's just strictly a double. I think it's the first time. I mean, I actually wanted to look... And did they have a clarification on it? But, you know, I'm actually... I really do think this is a double spell because I didn't see any clarifications. I might have to go back to the Dream Eaters and see what they if there's any uh, uh, notes on it. But I haven't played Dream Eaters yet. So, finally, now they got the last pack, I can start running Dream Eaters. All right, Bind's Eye. Again, this is a double spell slot. It's a myriad. It uses three secrets, uh, three to put out, two XPs to put all three of these into your deck. You can pitch it for one willpower. Uh, when you would test for either intellect, strength, or agility, spend a secret. You can use your willpower instead. Then uh, you can also discard a copy of the Mind's Eye from your hand, and you can put two more secrets of it on here. So it's a... Uh, it's a card out here that you can always bank on willpower. So immediately, I think, give this to Dexter. <laughs> For sure. Dexter can use it, but it takes a double slot. Ugh. It's the only thing. It's the only thing about this card, man. It takes two spell slots. Huh. But if you got an investigator with a high willpower, man, you want to throw this in. And you get three of these for two. Hmm. Hmm. 
would it be enough to justify the double spell slot? That is my only question, and I'm going to let you guys decide that. And I'll take a look, see if there's any deck builds out there. An Arkham DB, if anyone's really using the Mind's Eye. Artwork's kind of weird, though. I mean, I'm looking, looking at the eyeball, and the eyeball looks like it's just been covered in cobwebs. All right, so Mind's Eye is through. Then we got Shining Trapzodahedron. Uh, this is unique, so you can only have one in play at any given time. This is a one-cost asset for four XPs. Man, this is like this pack has like some of the most expensive stuff. Better get cheap on survivors, which they usually have some cheaper stuff. All right, this is an accessory slot. It's an item. It's a relic. Uh, again, four XPs, one to, one to play it out. If you pitch it for skill, it can either give you one willpower, one intellect, one agility. Uh, when you would pay for the cost of a spell card, exhaust the Shining Trapezoidahedron, and instead test Willpower X, where X is that card's resource card uh, cost. If you succeed, its resource cost is considered paid. If you fail, cancel playing that card without paying any of its costs, including its action cost. For the remainder of the round, you cannot play copies of that card. Wow. So, if I'm reading this right, if you would pay the cost of a spell card, you can exhaust this instead. You make a willpower test based on the resource cost of the card. So, if I was going to play a Shriveling, that would be willpower 3. If you succeed, the resource cost is paid. Oh, this guy, this thing would save you bucks. Huh. Man, this one's good. I mean, first impression, I would rock this guy out for sure. That way you're not strapped for cash all the time. Usually, I would probably flex this out with the... Uh, what's that, the resourceful one where you reduce the cost of a spell by two? So if you got somebody with high willpower... Oh, man. That's really good. I, I think this would apply to those investigators that have high willpower. So you are going to be playing Dexter or... Well, not even Luke. Definitely not Diana, because you got to really work on her. But um, Agnes, for sure, probably would use it. And then uh, Atachi, for sure. Man, that's a cool card. I like that. I like that card. I, I, I like any card that would save you on resources, for sure. Ooh, that's awesome. Cool, cool. All right. Last line up here. I got survivor cards. They got two of them. Nightmare Bobble. It's a one-cost asset. Gives you three XPs to put one of these bad boys in here. It's an item. It's charmed. It's cursed. Oh, it's cursed. Okay. Takes the accessory slot. Uh, pitch it for skill. It can give you a willpower and a wild. Limit one per deck. I only got one of them here, but there's three weaknesses behind it. Uh, what does this thing do? Forced. After Nightmare Bobble enters a place, search your bonded cards for three copies of Dream Parasite and attach them to the Nightmare Bobble. When Nightmare Bobble leaves play, set the attached Dream Parasite aside out of play. As a react, when you reveal a automatic failure chaos token, the tentacle, uh, shuffle the attached Dream Parasite into your deck to cancel that token. Oh. Cool. Alright, what's the Dream Parasite do? I got three of them. Again, this is bonded. Uh, it's a skill card, but it shows everything. Like it's like the the mirror universe, like uh, like that Daisy card that came out. The parallels. 
So it looks like that. Uh, it's got two wild pips on it. Uh, wild Dream Parasite is in your hand. You must commit it to the next skill success you perform, if able. Instead of adding it, you have to subtract your skill value. And if the skill test fails, take a damage and a whore. Uh, if you pass it, no problem. I think some of this can be mega mitigated by uh, some cheaper skill tests that you could probably do. Uh, be it like investigating or searching or anything like that. But uh, the, the trick is uh, really this here. Even if you throw the three copies of Dream Parasite in your deck and you have to deal with it. You can still cancel it. So if I play Dream Parasite, you know, and I had to, and I reveal a Chaos token, I can cancel it, and it's treated as a zero. I know, it doesn't even cancel anything at all. As long as you meet the positive, that's it. I mean, huh. Uh, that is, uh, that's crazy. But for a survivor that can say no to every single freaking tentacle... Is awesome, even with uh, having potentially three of these dream parasites in your deck, because even if you have three of them there, that doesn't say otherwise that that that, that it, it's done. Wait a minute, yeah, I'm double checking to make sure. When Nightmare Bobble leaves play, that's only for leaves play. So if you have to pitch it, like, uh, what's that? The chill card from from the core set. That forces you to lose an asset. So you would just fish all these dream parasites back out. I think this card's worth it. You only have one deck, and rightly so. But, and it fits survivors so well, too, because they, just to say no to an autofail is awesome. Is awesome. You just have to deal with the dream parasites. And honestly, you can just, I think, in a, especially in a multiplayer game, I think that can be mitigated heavily because you'll just find something, something easy to do to make that skill chest work for you. Yeah, I, I would definitely rock this guy for sure. Absolutely. Neat. All right, neat. I don't like throwing more weaknesses in my deck, but that's still neat. Ooh, scavenging. We got an upgrade of scavenge. I know that's a card. So let me uh, dig through here and see what the difference is. Dun, 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 dun. Get at the scavenging. I know, I know that's not an upgraded card. Yeah, it's not. I didn't think it was. All right. Old scavenging versus the new scavenging. So old scavenging was a one-cost asset uh, that gives you one intellect and a skill. The new scavenging is still a one-cost asset, but it costs you two XP to put it in there. But you get an additional intellect, so it's worth two. So the old talent uh, scavenge is after you successfully investigate by two or more, exhaust it, and then you can choose an item card from your discard pile and add it to your hand. So you can dig through your uh, discard pile. But for the new one, after you successfully investigate by two or more, exhaust scavenging, choose an item card from your discard pile, and either add it to your hand or play it. But you have to pay for its costs. Well, you can always take out the teddy bear or the leather coat and play it on the same turn for free. That's pretty sweet. Because <laughs> that's probably what I do. It <laughs> so the added benefit is the cost is still the same. You get an additional intellect 
And with a new one, you can either put it in your hand or play it right away. But you got to pay its cost. And that could be anything, as long as it's an item. It's okay. I mean, it's all right. I mean, it's one way of digging out leather coats. And that's immediately what I initially thought. It's like, all right, I'm going to dig out the teddy bear or the uh, leather coats for sure. I mean, or maybe if you lost a fire axe, because that's one. That's only cheap. I mean, if you're rocking with the grave digger, I mean, you can get the grave digger shovel out. It's two. Maybe anything major upgrades? Uh, it's got to be an item, though. <laughs> you can bust out the Tennessee Sour Mash. <laughs> And I'm just looking straight up on the on the survivor cards. Or the upgraded shovel. Upgraded shovel's not too bad for doing that. I mean, because it's one less there. But it has to be an item. Honestly, I see people just using it just for the teddy bear and the uh, the, the coat. That's it for this round. Well, I promise you that I'm not going to be as delayed as often. But there, but there really isn't any more stuff. And honestly. COVID's really been kicking my butt, and it's not saying that I have it. It's just I'm restricted. I can't do anything. It's mentally, it's not fun. And I know I strictly, you know, for at least for this podcast, I've been playing solo. Uh, but I usually would have every couple weeks or so, I would have guys come together and we'll be running through our Carcosa campaign. But that stopped since March. And, uh, and the more negativity and the more the media is, it's just it's just bad. And the things that went on with George Floyd and completely people for that hot moment forgot about COVID. And now we're back to this, the second wave. Um, and at least where I'm based at in Ohio, now now masks are mandatory. And wearing it 93 degree heat, and I'm just like, I'm like this, eh, F it. I'm just going to stay home. And if I need anything, I'll just order it on Amazon. Or if I have to make a quick trip to the grocery store, sure, because at least it's air-conditioned. But it's really restricted things. It, it absolutely sucks. And I, it's draining. It's absolutely draining on me. It, it's just taking a toll. I mean, I mean, I wish I can say, you know... There is some positivity. And to some points, I think there is. I mean, I've been hanging out with my family, my immediate family more. I've been working at home, so that's kind of nice. But uh, you're just restricted on the things you can and can't do. I mean, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And this is just my personal feeling side. If you're pro-mask, against mask, uh, you, know, you know, don't want to do social distancing, believe in herd immunity, I mean, that's that's your call. That's your thing. I'm not gonna say no to it, but it's just, it's just a, it's a, it, it definitely is a life change, and I think that's probably what's killing me the most. And considering I'm an extrovert and stuff like that, and I like meeting people and greeting people, and it just, it absolutely sucks. I mean, and it doesn't make me want to do anything. And I think that's probably why I took that month off of not putting anything out because I'm just like, I'm done. It's just why. I mean, and I'm trying to see see it there, so. I've been taking some mindfulness techniques and stuff like that to, to, to help me get through it and, you know, uh, try to keep my hands and mind creatively busy. 
but uh, it, it's it's a drain. It absolutely drain. And, and there is studies out there and research that that's saying that yeah, suicide rates are up. Mental health has become a big problem. Drug rate, drug use is up. So I mean, it's a no win anyway you look at it, and it just absolutely sucks. So. I'm getting back into the swing of things. I have Dream Eaters to look forward to because now I have the full thing and I haven't played it at all. Now that I have it, I want to experience it. So I'm going to go in blind. So look forward to that. So I can't wait to do that. So other things of note. Um, if you are in the Cleveland area, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, Rocky River, uh, there's a little game shop called Immortals, Inc. You would never know this place even existed until you have to, like, Facebook it or Google it up because it sits in a office building um, where you have multiple tenants and, they, you know, there are some medical and stuff like that. They have, like, a little cafeteria, uh, a lot of corporate businesses and stuff like that, but it sits in, like, in a basement. It's the craziest location, but it's a cool little, it's a cool little store. So, uh what I'm doing on July 19th, I am hooking up with the store, and we are doing, uh, for the newbies, if they're, they want to play Arkham Horror, I'm bringing me and my son, and we're going to continue on. I probably did mention a little bit before we were doing that, so now that they're comfortable, we restarted it for Sunday evenings uh, for the next three weeks on July 19th. So we're going to be running through that, teaching new players, and we'll get some games in. He started ordering some more additional product that's available, a couple more core sets, uh, just to get people ready for it. So it should be a good time. It should be a blast. Uh, I can, I'm definitely looking forward to that, just so I can actually have some multiplayer action going on and, and getting it back into the game. So looking forward to that. I have been playing Mansions of Madness again, so I've been trying to go through it. I don't have everything there, so... I had the first edition set. I don't have the upgrade packs, the suppressed memories and reoccurring nightmares. I think that's what they are because they're, they, they didn't make a big run on it and I didn't print it. But I had like a box of like Forbidden Alchemy and the core set. So I was like, I wasn't missing a hell of a lot. But I ended up picking up uh, Streets of Arkham. I had the two smaller box sets for it and I just picked up, what was the other one? No, that was it. It was just two small box sets. So the only thing I'm missing is this Horrific Journeys and Path of the Serpent. So, And I've been having a lot of fun with that playing solo. I mean, I did a four-player run, which is not too bad because I can I set it up downstairs and, you know, I'll get a few rounds in. If I have to go eat dinner or I have to do some chores, I can stop where I'm at, save the game on my iPad, move on, you know, and come back to it a little bit later. I get my butt trounced, just like any Arkham game that you play. But it's been a, it's been a lot of fun, and, and honestly... I think out of the 22 scenarios, I have, I think, 14, 15 available. So there is stuff for me to play. I just have not experienced it yet. And that's been a lot of fun. So I've been playing that. I've also been playing This War is Mine. Uh, I've taught my son then. He just realized that war stinks if you're not a soldier. But, yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys, for the long ramble. But, uh... Uh, we'll throw this up shortly. I did pick up some new things. I picked up also Black Widow for uh, Marvel Champions. Going through that. And uh, yeah, I should be all caught up with the COVID stuff So that I've been missing out on. So uh, until then, guys and gals, thanks for listening. And I'll holler at you guys later.